This one's for anyone who thinks they don't have the skills, knowledge, or confidence to make an offer on somebody's house that's below market value in rough shape and be able to pass it off to an investor and make $17,000. Our guest, Wes Branch, was 18 when he did his first wholesale deal, making $1,700 from a lead that he saw on Craigslist. But then he went on to actually strategically look for more properties, and he did really, really well. He's eight years in. He's done 300-plus deals and used his skills and knowledge and cash to build a rental portfolio that will end up paying him passively when he decides he's done acquiring properties. So this is the podcast for TEDxing your income and quitting your W-2, replacing that income with wholesaling real estate. My name is David Lecko, and I created a process that's helped people like you close their very first deal in all 50 states more than 10,000 times now. And my co-host is Ryan Haywood, who made 8,500 bucks doing a 14-day wholesaling challenge back in 2019, and he's gone on to do 430 deals. Hey, Wes, how did you make $1,700 on your very first wholesale deal? Well, it was a cold winter day, and I was on Zillow, and I saw a guy, He had his name was Buck. He had a house on Maple Way, and um, he had it not only on for sale for, on Zillow, but also on Craigslist. And the description was three bedroom, one bath, as is. There wasn't a fancy description. There was nothing sexy about it. I was like, all right, this is my type of guy right here. So I called him up. He had inherited the property from his mother, and um, he was trying to get rid of it. He did everything he knew to do. You know, he had it on Zillow and, and Craigslist, like I said. And um, those were kind of the hot ways to sell a property as is at the time if you were doing it yourself. And uh, yeah, met him over there. And uh, long story short, I was in a, a local RIA. Uh, and uh, I, I had a guy come out with me the next time I went over there. We had him sign a contract, and we ended up JVing on the deal with a joint venture. And uh, he brought the buyer, I brought the seller, and we closed it in less than 30 days and made 1700 bucks. And that was that was proof of concept. How did you know that was the right price for Buck and you? So we kind of did somewhat of a well, so Buck had a price that he wanted, of course. You know, it's solid deal, brick home. Um, and really we had our buyer come in and, and he was like, Hey, I need to be here. Wait, we need, well, well, so remember I was in the local RIA, I'm low, I'm, I'm networking with all the local guys and, um, they're basically, I was telling about the deal and I was like, Hey, like, I don't really know what to do. I don't know how this paperwork thing goes. You know, I'm looking for somebody to kind of hold my hand. And so one of the guys in the group, I was, I was 17 at the time. He basically took me under his wing. You know, we went over there. And uh, got the contract, and he was like, "Hey, uh, you know, th I know a guy that'll pay this for it." It's kind of how it worked out, you know. Of course, checking comps and stuff on Zillow too. It wasn't a home run deal for anybody, but um, you know, made a few bucks, so it's all right. Right, you made seventeen hundred bucks. Oh yeah, was, first deal. I I I was I was grinning ear to ear. So we're, you got it under contract, and then mm -hmm. signed it to this guy from the real the RIA. Yeah. Yep. 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 But after you had it under contract. You asked him about the price, or before you got it under contract, you asked him about the price. So before, before, so we went into it. Buck wanted a certain number, you know. Uh, my partner, you know, that I joint ventured with on, and I put it under contract, you know, knowing that we'd be able to make a few bucks on top, of course. Um, and you know, like I said, it was seventeen hundred bucks. So it wasn't a home run deal by any means, but proof of concept and off to the races. So usually. Somebody could steal that deal away from you, right? But you just had a trusting relationship uh, because you didn't have it under contract, right? Like that other guy could have been right. directly to Buck, but he got you guys had a trusting relationship from the RIA. So you guys and you just knew, had an understanding that that wouldn't be an issue. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew the guy quite well. You know, I had been going to the, the local rear for, for months, you know, just soaking up as much information as I could, like a sponge. And, um, you know, I think I had tried to buy a deal from that guy in the past and, and something, he had like title issues on it or something. Um, and that didn't work out to try to do a flip. So this was like kind of like our second go around and do business together. Gotcha. It worked out good. Good. So sorry if you said this already, how long ago did you start? How long ago was this first deal? So I'm going on eight years in the real estate business. So I did my first deal at 17. I was, I was still in high school. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, first wholesale deal. Oh, you're in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that weird to think? I mean, that's a young person to be buying a house. How would you actually convince people that that was going to work out? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. Kind of just had the confidence that I was going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, then it was definitely. I think they might have thought that you know maybe my family had money, which is not the case. Oh yeah, you know. Um, they maybe thought my family was in real estate, something to that nature. But again, not the case. Just kind of went in there and kind of, you know, acted like I knew what I was talking about. Where did you get that confidence and were you born with it? Well, you know, um, I like to solve problems, you know. So when I see somebody has got a problem property and like, hey, I know the solution. I'm like, hey, look, I, I know how to fix this problem. So that kind of gives me a little bit of confidence, know that I can help them. Okay. But you know, I hadn't been... But yeah, but you did well, but so I had been studying, you know, for, for probably about a year. I'd been watching, you know, listening to podcasts weren't really like a hot thing back then, but, you know, finding stuff on YouTube, reading books, going to those pop-up events, uh, you know, the guys on the radio come down and learn how to real estate invest and uh, go to the RIAs. So I'd, I'd been studying for about a year before I'd ever did my first deal. So what was motivating you in high school when you're just supposed to be a kid? What are you doing? I remember... Um, I was at a friend's house one summer and he, he opened his sock drawer and he pulled out a wad of cash and he said, check this out. And I said, whoa, how'd you get that? He said, I cut my neighbor's grass all summer and I saved it all. I was like, we should go into business together and start a lawn care business. We can make all kinds of money. He was like, nah. So I did it myself and um, just started, I was just enthralled with, with you know, with lawn? making a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, just lawn care, right? Or just cutting grass, right? That was what I would do. I got a truck trailer. At one point I was maybe cutting 30 yards a week. As a 16, 17 year old kid, my dad used to drop me off the neighborhood before I could even drive. And uh, I would rip around the neighborhood, cut everybody's yard. He'd come pick me up, go to the next neighborhood. It was great. But, um, you know, at the, in the time while I'm sitting there, I was listening to books and listening to podcasts, you know, on headphones and stuff. And that's when I learned about wholesaling real estate. Um, and I listened to yeah, as much of it as I could. And I was like, all right, this winter, I'm going to do a wholesale deal. And so the first time, that first winter, you know, because you don't cut grass in the winter. I didn't do a wholesale deal that winter because, well, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't take enough action to do so. But that following winter I did, and that was a deal that I did with Buck and uh, the partner. But, you know, there was about a year of, of education in there. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. So you were motivated by your friend's wad of cash. And yeah. You were kind yeah. of like leveling up from the business you'd already started to that you thought would be more lucrative. Yeah. You know, I kind of sat around and I figured, hmm, well, if I put, you know, the amount of time that I'm putting in cutting, cutting lawns into myself and trying to find a wholesale deal, all I got to do is one deal. And so I was just kind of like calculating some numbers on, on hours into it. It's like, there's no way I don't do at least one deal this summer. So, or, or this winter, whatever, whatever it was. And, um, yeah, obviously the $1,700 deal was, was not it, but. Well, your friend had easily put his cash in the sock drawer. What'd you do with your 1700 bucks? 
what did I do with my 1700 bucks? My goodness, I don't, I don't remember at the time. I was already making great money cutting grass, so it was just, you know, it wasn't like a big influx of money for me at the time. But um, it, it, I, I probably, probably got, um, started to get, figure out how to market a little bit. That was kind of mm-hmm. the next step after we started to figure that out. Yes, because Craigslist was a cheap, free way of actually finding right. Tech. But yep. I'm guessing you didn't have a ton more bucks at that time on Craigslist. It just kind of comes up, right? So you had to do something proactive to find more people mm-hmm. that had a house they wanted to get rid of. What would you remember what you did at first? So the still one of my favorite ways to find deals is dropping four dollars and using the deal machine app and going out to the neighborhood that you already know. You know, likely whoever's listening to this, you know, and you guys included. There's a house in between where you're at and your home that you pass by on a regular basis that's beat up, broken down, probably vacant, that you see all the time. You're like, man, I wonder who owns that. I love calling on those houses. You know, I just write, I write them on all the time. I've got a group chat with my team here. And um, every t- anytime I'm out looking at the property, I always, I'll text four or five addresses, you know, when I'm going through a new neighborhood and, you know, have them look up, see who owns and give them a call, see if they're ready to sell it. Hey guys, you can get the contact info, including phone number and email address and income and relatives for no additional costs inside the Deal Machine app. We provide this to you unlimited number of times. And you can actually export 10,000 if you're on the starter plan of Deal Machine or 20,000 if you're on the pro plan of Deal Machine. And you can start a seven-day free trial at dealmachine.com slash pod. And if you use that link, you're going to get $35 for direct mail as well. So love, love the strategy of driving for dollars. What do you say when you call those people? Hey, your house is really ugly. Well, well, we've got we've got I guess a you know pretty streamlined process and script that we'd like to follow just so that it's that it's predictable. But you know, simple goes to the tuner. Hey, um, you know, we just bought a property in the area. We're calling to see if you have any interest in selling yours here at One Two Three Main Street. You know, and they'll respond however they do. It's either yes, no, or maybe. And uh, we follow up with them no matter what they say. Yes, no, or maybe. We follow up with them forever for years. We'll yeah, follow up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you moved on from grass because you wanted something more lucrative, but I noticed after eight years, you haven't moved on from wholesaling. Yeah. Um, it's, it's doing pretty well for you, it sounds like. We, we, we've evolved. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, we you know, we, we love the wholesale business. It's a, it's a great way to generate income and uh, generate deals too. So we, we've, we've kind of evolved into buying rental properties and buying flips locally and stuff like that and into, into new markets and kind of expanding our wings a little bit. Um, yeah. Why didn't you yeah. start with buying rental properties? Well, temptation <laughs> that that. So my brother is my business partner, and um, so he's let's buy rentals. Um, let's flip and wholesale everything. I'm like, I, I need a Lamborghini, Jake. I, I, I don't, I don't need rental properties. You know, I'm seven to eight, seven to eighteen, nineteen. You know, I have these thoughts, and um, so we were able to acquire some private lenders early, and um, family friends and. Basically, when we first started, you know, we we did that that first we did did that first wholesale deal. We ended up buying a flip, made some money there, and then we're like, well, hey, we can buy rentals too. And so we're running around thinking that we're wholesalers, flippers, and buying hold landlords. And it took about a year and a half to realize, okay, we're doing horrible at all these things. We need to really focus. We were painting at the flip or at the one of the rentals. And then the phone's ringing. We've got leads calling us. We've got VA team calling, cold calling leads. And, you know, we're trying to answer. You can't answer the phone when you're painting. You know, you got paint on your hands. Doesn't work. So it took a while to realize we need to focus. 
and wholesaling was a solution because we figured hmm, if we can get really good, find an off-market, deep discounted real estate, we'll have no problem doing whatever we want with that deal once we figure that out. So we got good at that and that's kind of been our bread and butter. So we do that here in Louisville and Cincinnati, Lexington, Kentucky as well. And we've recently kind of expanded to some more states. Mm. And and wholesaling generates the cash that you could use for buying rentals as well. Yeah, yeah, it certainly can. You know, we, all of our deals are are burr. You know, no money down real estate, but because uh, the deal's so you, know, you get stuck on a couple, right? Because the deal's so good. Because we got so good at finding a great off market deal. All driving for dollars, or have you added other types of ways of finding motivated sellers? So I'll tell you, a third of our deals come from driving for dollars. It, up until. Well, so in 2022, I'll say for sure, 2022 and most of 2023, a third of our deals come from driving for dollars. And, um, you know, of course, we bought all the lists that, you know, everyone knows about and has access to and just kind of hit those as much as we can with, with cold call, tax, and stuff like that. Um, so like high equity, absentee owner, vacant. I love vacant and liens because they're usually a little bit more incentivized to close or to, to, to close quick, you know, because we want money today. Um uh, out of state landlord, out of state landlords, great. Right? They haven't paid some type of uh of bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, so I, I like city liens. Usually, those are indicators that like the neighbor has called or like the code enforcement has drove around, and um, they call them um, IPLs. Where in, in our market here, um, but it's basically like you know, there's trash in the yard, or there's you know, the doors are open, you know, they need to be boarded up, or the lawn's too tall, or the gutters hanging, or the siding's falling off. You know, the sign of distress, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but none of that's going on at my house or at any of our rental properties. You know, we, you know, keep it tight whenever it's in order. Sure. If you guys are looking for real estate data, Deal Machine is the data source for real estate professionals. One of the latest data updates we got was unlimited contact info. So any property you're looking at, you can see who's renting it and who owns it. And you can see their phone number, email. You can see their average household income. So there's been wild use case I'd never imagined for realtors, for example, who said, wow, do you mean I could look for renters who've been renting for a long time that have a high net worth that may want to buy a house? And that's exactly how people are using this in ways I never imagined. Usually on the investor side, we're trying to ask if they'd like an offer on their house. So of course you could do that too. And we've got 300 filters you can look for in terms of pre-foreclosures, in terms of liens, like Wes mentioned, where these people have a lien against their house because they had some type of settlement and a lawsuit or they did not pay a contractor. In other words, they didn't make a payment somewhere, so they would really probably prefer a cash offer on this house. They don't have a lot of time to get the max value by listing it with an agent. So check out dealmachine.com slash pod to start a seven-day free trial and see what all this data can get for you. And if you use that code, you're going to get $35 of direct mail marketing as well included. Yeah. It, Ryan, does this sound like similar strategy to how you look for properties? Yeah, it's, I mean, our, I think Wes and I's strategy and way of investing lines up pretty good now. I mean, the, the wholesaling, uh, you know, keep the best, wholesale the rest. When, once you get to a point where you can actually do that, uh, to me, I think it's like, you know, I, I think it does... It, depends on what your end result what you want to be like what how do you want this to go do you want to continue because in a way you can create a another nine to five out of wholesaling like if you become so dependent on 
getting that next deal to feed yourself. Uh, to me, I feel like that's like that's not the idea. The idea is wholesale is a way to generate money quickly, but like you need to be looking and considering like what is next. You know, how can I make this to where it's I'm making a bunch of money and not depending on a man, I got to go out there and drive for dollars every day for the rest of my life. Like, is that the goal? So I think Wes and I share similar um, paths and similar thoughts in finding the best deals, taking those best deals at different route and wholesaling a bunch of other stuff too, just to keep cash coming in. So gives you a bunch of opportunities. Wes said that he had some people uh, working for him. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it was one of those to drive for dollars, Wes, or what, what did they do? So early we had some, uh, physical driving for dollars guys that would go out and, uh, you know, locally go out and drive, but we do, we just, we just do it all virtual now. We've got a, a VA in the Philippines. I think we pay them four bucks an hour mm-hmm. and they just zoom around with the keypad. You know, we like to go with the areas where they have up, most updated. Cause obviously on Google, it shows you, you know, when the, when the was updated last time at the bottom. Right. So uh, deal machine, you're using the virtual driving option. Right. Yeah. Going, going in and just driving for, and then click, 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 add them all up. And that's their job. And then boom, upload them, skip trace them. There you go. Yeah. What else do other people do that work for you? So, um, we're really focused on like removing ourselves from like the day-to-day operations. Um, so we've got pretty much all, all facets covered acquisitions. I, I do, I handle my brother and I handle like the marketing still, like that's kind of our main focus as far as day-to-day goes. So we've got acquisitions, uh, dispositions and transaction coordination all covered. And those are, you know, just of general moving parts, you know, acquiring the deal, selling the deal, and then the, the TC transaction coordinating, they just basically glue that holds everything together, getting it to the closing table. Um, so we've got a few people on, on acquisitions and then, um, one guy that does dispo TC, he just kind of does both. Okay. And dispo is the act of, of selling your wholesale deal. Right. To your investor. Oh, how does he do that? Like wh- where do these buyers come from? How does he sell it to them? So we use investor lift a lot lately. Um, so we just got it and, uh, it's, it's going pretty good so far. Uh, how does that work? So yeah, it's almost like Zillow, but for off market deals. So other, uh, there's a ton of off market deals on there. Wholesalers, investors upload their deals. And then it's a marketplace for investors to come and to source off market deals, uh, at the click of a button, you can make offers right there on the spot. And, you know, instead of going out to find deals, there's wholesalers nationwide, almost in every market. How does, you can find how does that change your, uh, cost per lead or per deal versus building your own buyer's list? Yeah, what is the cost? Having your own buyer's list versus having investor lift. How does that change the cost per deal? So we, Cause it's kind of expensive, I think, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, so I think we paid, we paid $6,000 for it. Um, and that's for the year. So you just pay up front for it. Um, so it's, I mean, not super expensive if you're, you know, actually, you know, working and doing deals and growing a team. Um, the reason we, we got it is because we are kind of, we're, we're moving into a more nationwide model. And we don't have buyers in Chicago and in Gainesville, Florida, and in Sacramento, California. So uh, that's why we did it. But you know, of course, locally we we you know built up a buyers list through, through Facebook and going to local meetups and rias. Um, if you're going to do a lo- the local route, local business, which we've done for for you know seven years, we just recently switched to this nationwide model. Um, 
you know, I like to get out belly to belly and uh, be consistent in the marketplace, meeting people. Cause then you know, who's, who's doing the deals, especially like the market I'm in, Lowell, there's about a million people. It's not a huge market. So you get to know people pretty quick and then you know who the movers and shakers are. And then you can just start calling people and say, Hey, I got this deal for you. So, so you know, you know, they'll buy it for. Mm -hmm. I noticed you said you just went nationwide mm -hmm. eight years in. How many mm -hmm. deals had you done uh, locally before you decided to go nationwide? I don't have a deal counter going, but it's it's well over 350, probably closer okay. to, to over 400 probably. Why did you uh, decide that now was the time to go nationwide? So we've been cold calling and doing like cold outreach the whole, the whole time. A little bit of direct mail here and there. Um, nothing super consistent to see amazing results from. And, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm looking at our, our output, our team's output as far as like how much time we're spending on the phone, how many people we call, how many deals we have, how many leads we have to come into the system before we before we get a deal or a contract. And I'm hearing these guys that, that do inbound marketing talk about their numbers being a fraction of ours. And I'm like, well, let's give that a try, you know, because I like the idea of having, having, being able to do more deals with, with less leads because it's just easier on everybody. And so we, we made the shift. And um, so we're running, you know, Google ads doing the PPC and the paper lead model uh, nationwide. And we are locking up more projected profit late, like in the past couple of weeks than, than we would in like a month. So it's for a new owner, really well. Is that a good strategy or should they do locally first in your opinion? In my opinion, you should do locally first for sure. Get your feet wet. Get get down several deals because you need because you know we know how to do a deal. There's no doubt about it. We know how to work title. We know what happens. How to do, uh, you know, handle situations that come up that are maybe issues. You know, that be kind of hard to handle remotely. Um, how to have those tough conversations with with sellers and title companies and um, other people in the market. I'd say definitely start start local. Um, but you know, if you got a budget, throw you know fifteen thousand dollars a month at you know at PPC. And you've got some business experience and you know how to communicate, it might be a good idea to just jump straight in. But you know, I'd recommend doing some research on it before you before you do that. Cool. Yep. So tell us about kind of an aspirational goal, uh, I think, is you guys are keeping the best properties. So you mean the ones that you've got under contract for the lowest price? You just go ahead and take those down yourself. So uh I mean, how do you decide to take profits over 30 years on a rental versus all that cash up front? Yeah. If it's a really great deal, you could have sold it for 50 grand of cash. You know what I mean? That's a good question. And it's it, really how my brother and I analyze that. It's just kind of deal by deal. It depends on what's going on, what's closing that month or what's what's slated for this quarter or what we've got going on um, is, is kind of one is something that we'll take into account. Uh, the other thing is it's like, well, I mean, if, if we can make $30,000 wholesale to ourselves and still have a ton of equity and it's still cash flow at today's interest rates, which are, you know, pretty high, then that's kind of a no brainer, you know? So we get to keep the deal and then we don't have to go chase that deal. We'll still get that trickle. You know, then once it's paid down, we'll get another payday on it later. And, you know, in five, 10 years when it appreciates and we go refinance. Um, so we are in favor of keeping them um, as often as possible locally, of course. Um, you know, when it will still cash flow because, you know, not all of them cash flow. We got a deal that we just bought last week um, that we thought was going to be also deal at first. And I'm like, well, we'll make triple the profit if we flip it or, or keep it as a rental as far as having equity. 
Um, and then we got the penciling out the deal. And we're like, ah, this thing actually doesn't cash flow at all. So not a rental. Can't can't do that. Takes it off the table. And we've already committed to, to buying it. So we, we bought it. We're going to flip it on double, triple the profit. Mm, gotcha. Well, Wes, do you have a social media? I'm pretty sure you do. Yes. Follow you? Yeah, I do. It's Wes Branch One on Instagram. I'm pretty active on my stories. I was posting quite a bit there for a while. We had a guy running around recording us, and then we kind of started changing some stuff. And my, I kind of glued myself into the office working on this online stuff. So I haven't been out as much. I haven't been posting much. But yeah, I'd love to follow you and shoot me a message on there, and um, I'd help you out any way I can. Real quick before we go, both of you are some of the highest performing real estate investors uh, that we've interviewed on the podcast, of course, and Ryan's on every episode. But I found it interesting you're both actually doing a fast where you're not eating for 72 hours and Ryan's going for seven days. So like Wes, why are you doing that? Well, I heard that it's uh, good for longevity. You know, it make, it cleanses out the body. It's like, what do they call it, Ryan? Cell consolidation or something like that. Your body mm-hmm. starts using up all these cells that, that, that are non-performers. Um, so I'm just trying to perform at a high level, feel great. I've been working out for a couple months and um, I'm just trying to just take my health to the next level and just do this stuff that they call weird, but it's actually really good for you. Yeah, for me too, like I've set goals uh, for 2024 and health is one that I, I wouldn't say I neglected. I just didn't put as much time and energy into my health and you know, I've done intermittent fasting and it, the whole, even intermittent fasting, your body goes through a process of getting, cleaning out the, the bad cells. Um, I've read so many statistics about, you know, people who've done seven day fasts, you know, 60% less likely to have cancer, um, 60% like less likely to have, uh, cognitive diseases. So that to me, was like, you know what? That's something that I can put myself through seven days worth of neglecting food and focusing on doing that in the, in the hopes that it's true and I am, you know, less likely now coming out of that. I have to make sure that I do my job and eating clean and being uh, physically active after that too because it is like I can't get off of a fast and go out and eat a hearty sandwich like I want to do. So, well, I'm glad both of you will be around for a long time and it's helping a lot of people by you taking time to be on this podcast and share that uh, and the real estate story, Wes, that you shared today. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, guys. Wow. Wes has a great story and a great success in eight years. For additional listening, check out episode 78 on 25 motivated seller lists so that you can find out where you can find the best motivated sellers and what order to approach them in. And also, episode 95 is on nine ways to find a buyer. It's been a huge popular episode since the week it came out. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.